welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Jason Harris. He is the CEO of award-winning creative agency Mechanism and the co-founder of the Creative Alliance. But he's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today called The Soulful Art of Persuasion, The 11 Habits That Will Make Anyone a Master Influencer. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, when I first got sent this book, I was a little nervous because if I'm going to develop 11 new habits, how many habits am I going to have to break? (laughs) Well, you know, some of those habits... I mean, bad, I mean, bad habits, I mean, of course. Of course, bad <laughs> habits. But some of those habits you're already going to naturally be good at. So yeah, hopefully it's not too taxing. So so let's define, I mean, especially you and I were talking before we started the show, especially in the context of the way business is done today. What actually is a master influencer? So, you know, I define master influencer. Uh, it's a great question because you typically... Sometimes when you hear the word influencer in the marketing advertising sector, you think of uh, of someone on YouTube or someone using social media uh, to make a make a point or build an audience. But to me, we're all we're all influencers in our own way. And every every day we have these micro inflection points of persuasion, whether it's at work and you're getting someone to buy off on your idea, or an interview where you're landing a job, or you're trying to convince your significant other to take a vacation you want to take or your kids to get ready for school or your teacher to take your assignment late, whatever it might be, in all walks of life, we're all sort of having these micro moments of persuasion all day long. And to me, the idea is that um, any one of us can get better at influencing the people we're trying to win over by these sort of learned behaviors or habits. And so to me, an influencer, all of us are influencers in one way or another. All of us are persuading all day long and we can be better or worse depending on sort of our viewpoint. So I like that you use habits because I think a lot of people think about influence and they, they quickly go to techniques and, and, you know, tricks and tips even. And so, but let me ask you this. So while I like the idea of habits, um, I think some people might question what what has soul got to do with it? So soul to me is sort of the crux of the – well, it's the crux of the whole book. But to me, it's the found, foundation of how you move through influence and how you move through these habits. Because soul to me is the idea that you're coming at it from a place of authenticity and from – uh, your true core and from your belief system and you're being uh, a true persuader by being building trust. And to me, soul is all about your character and what you stand for. And without that, persuasion and these habits could come across as um, sort of sales gimmicks. But if it's coming from who you are as a core, that soulful piece is the, the piece that makes it different. So sometimes people learn better this way. Um, what would you say the soulful art of persuasion is not? Is not. Uh, I don't think it's a, it's not a book on how to close a quick deal or make a quick sale. It's not an always be closing book. That's what it's not. All right. So let's dig into a couple of them. You break the 11 habits into um, four Practices or behaviors? I'm forgetting. I call them principles. Principles. Principles, Right. So the first one, um, be original, um, which, of course, 
is not an original thought necessarily, right? I mean, everybody kind of gets that. But I think what I love about the way you've broken it down is it's one of those things that it's it's such a puzzle. I mean, how do I how do I be original? Okay, you be yourself. Well, that's not very original or that's not very creative or that's not very whatever, you know, I say it is. So so how do you how do you get this and and we love these words like authenticity and things, you know, today. I mean, how do we actually do this? Well, you know, the the founding concept behind being original is that you're coming from a place of honesty and you're giving people a real glimpse of yourself, your unique you know, personality, your idiosyncrasies, you wear those on your sleeves uh, or sleeve, I should probably say. But it's about understanding who you are. And if you don't fundamentally uh, know why you're different than everyone else, and it's that, you know, famous Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. Uh, that's sort of at the core of it. And it all starts, the principle and, and the habits falling underneath that principle all start with you leaning into your true character. And you shouldn't have a work persona or a school persona, and then your real personality comes out when you're with your three closest friends. The idea of being original is that you're always coming from this authentic place, and people understand who you are, what makes you tick. You lean into all of those characteristics on all of those things that make you different. Uh, so that's sort of a, at the heart of it. And there's there's more ways that I talk about in the book of how you can do that, like storytelling. The persuasive power of storytelling is is one of those. And that's really all about understanding stories from your life that made you the person that you are. It's about talking about role models that inspired you and why. It's talking about even pop culture um, movies and books that, that speak to you and the reason why they speak to you, those are all part of who make, makes up who you are as a person. I think there's a lot of pressure on people to not be themselves because, you know, let's face it, some people feel like I'm not that influential. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the real me is kind of boring, so I have to put on a mask and be the influential me. So how do you, I mean, what do you say to that person that feels like, hey, no, I, I, I have to have this different game when I'm in front of the team and I'm trying to sell them? I think that, um, I mean, I think that's patently untrue. I think people, even if you find that you might be, your real personality might be a little bit boring, I think you would lean into the fact that, you know, you're more of a stoic person by nature or you're more straightforward, but sort of play that up, like lean in and push as hard as you can on the things that you're trying to avoid. And whenever, you know, the the people today have a really, really good bullshit detector. And so if you're putting on a mask and you're trying to win over your team by acting a way that you aren't really, because people see you at work, they're going to know who you are in your real life. Um, I think that will go against soulful persuasion because you're 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 being an actor, and unless you're a really hell of a good actor, it's not going to be coming from an authentic place, and it's going to have the opposite effect of of uh, inspiring people. Yeah, and I think we've all encountered somebody that we maybe just completely disagree with their point of view or you know how they approach things, but we can kind of appreciate the fact that that's who they are, and they're just being who they are. And I, I have a I hope he's not listening. I have a neighbor that just says the the most straightforward stuff that you're like, "Wow, did you really say that?" But then you like, he does that's 
that's him not being filtered. You know, that's him. And, and I can actually appreciate that in some ways, even if I don't fully agree with what he's saying. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. And if your neighbor's trying to inspire a team, you know, you should be upfront about, Hey, I know I'm super straightforward and this is, this is super base, but this is the way that I approach things. And, and, and here's why. And I think it's about showing your, you know, it's like opening the kimono and letting people really see the real you. And that that's the most powerful thing you can do. People respect that. So there've been countless books on this idea of storytelling and you touched on it already a little bit, but would you say that, that in your experience, people that have kind of mastered this, this, this art of being influential kind of have a couple core stories that they lean on that, that, that really say a lot about what they believe. Yeah, definitely. And those should be, um, you know, memorized and practiced and rehearsed and you should, they should become, that's part of the habitual nature is it just, it's ingrained in you so you can call on them at any time. You know, you don't have to have, you make a good point. You don't have to have a list of, of 30 stories that are right for any moment, but you have to have, you know, a handful that you can call on uh, when the time's right that let people know a little bit about you. And at work, we have a lot of, you know, built uh, an ad agency here and we have a lot of stories through building the company that are, that are kind of folklore that we tell from time to time when there's new people that join us that the story is a metaphor for the beliefs that we have and they get passed down. Uh, and, and those are really important in, in an organization or for your personal brand that you have those sort of personal stories and those antidotes. And, you know, even if you don't have a ton of those, um, you can still transport people through storytelling by telling familiar stories um, that are either books or films or mythology that speak to you and you can articulate why they speak to you and why those are important lessons. And, you know, sometimes even a familiar story uh, can, can really um, help persuade people because they, Oh, I, I, I know this one. I can relate to this one versus a story that uh, only you know about. So you are, you mentioned this earlier and you have a whole chapter on this uh, idea of never be closing. Um, there's no question that that, habit will make you more likable? Will it make you ultimately more effective if your job is to meet a quota? Yeah. Well, that, that I get this question a lot because never be closing to me is the idea of letting go of short-term transactional thinking and focus on building meaningful relationships. And I think business is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're goal is to hit those quotas and get your bonus and go quarter to quarter, you might do that for some time and you might hit those goals and you might follow the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross principles and you might close a lot of deals because you're just trying to get them to sign and you're trying to hit that number in a spreadsheet. But over time, losing out on a couple of those bonuses, maybe feeling like you're falling behind will ultimately pay off in compound interest over time because this idea of never be closing means you're, you're doing what's right for the client or customer and you're building meaningful relationships. And a lot of it is spending that energy in relationship building, even if you're not sure that there's an immediate uh, sale to be had or immediate goal. But over time, 
they will respect you more. You will keep those relationships going. They will become referrals for you, and you will end up uh, being way more successful following that path uh, than, than, than playing the short game. I think playing the long game uh, is ultimately uh, where success comes from in business. And we've all been down and out and had to do that one sale or we were going to, you know, our business was in trouble or, you know, we were going to go out of business. But um, I truly believe that not hitting those goals or failing a little bit or, um, you know, having to lay people off or uh, not getting that promotion because you didn't hit those numbers, but focusing on playing the long game with those relationships, it might, it might not be that you're going to hit those, those um, huge jumps in the short term, but in a marathon, you're going to win out. And now a word from a sponsor. There's no room for idle chat in business. So if email is your only moneymaker, make room for something new. Intercom. Intercom is the only business messenger that starts with real-time chat, then keeps growing your business with conversational bots and guided product tours. Take Intercom customer, Unity. In just 12 months, they converted 45% more visitors through Intercom's Messenger. Make room for a new revenue channel. Go to intercom.com slash podcast. That's intercom.com slash podcast. Yeah, and I, I think that's a point worth repeating, that that everything you talk about in this book is really for somebody who's playing the long game. And, and not, you know, you don't develop habits of becoming a master influencer you know, because you did something, it's, it's, it's really a way to live your life, isn't it? It's a, it's an approach to life and it's approach to relationships that, uh, you know, and, and why I love that you picked up on habits and how that's different because these can be learned habits. We're not all born, um, telling great stories, just like we're not all born, um, being open about ourselves or we're not all born as generous people or some of the other principles but you're going to um, naturally have some of those already, but the other ones, the other habits you have to work on. And by working on them, like building any muscle, over time, they become habitual and natural and you don't have to think about them anymore, but you have to work on them. And they're not going to, you know, you're not going to read this book and all of a sudden you're, you know, Mr. Persuader, Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Persuader. But if you if you look at the ones that you need to hone in on and you really make it a, a habit to practice those, it will become natural to you over time. And I think that's a great point. I think a lot of people look at a book like this and think, okay, I have to do all these things. And really, if you adopted one or two of these habits actually at a level far greater than you do today, you've made progress, haven't you? You've got – yeah, you've made leaps and bounds of progress. And um, – you know, that, that's why this book to me is action oriented. It's not a bunch of case studies about how people successfully persuaded uh, someone else because that, that doesn't help the reader. These are designed to really, they're sort of Ill illustrative examples and um, research and psychology examples. But at the end of the day, there's, there's concrete ways that people can uh, work on, work on these skills. And, you know, it's, it's really for me by trial and error because I'm 20 something years into advertising and marketing career where I've failed plenty of times and I've gone after short term gains and I've let relationships drop to zero and I've done all these mistakes 
And it's only by uh, seeing that from the lens of what's worked that I, I was able to sort of put this down. Well, you, you started to wander into the next question I was going to ask you. Are, is, is there a habit in the list of 11? And, of course, people can people can go to uh, your website. They can go to Amazon and other places and see actually the, the 11 listed. But is there a habit that's hardest for you? Um, I would say for me, um, the, the hardest habit um, was this idea of um, um, giving something away in every interaction, which is under the principle of generous, which is the general idea behind that one is that whenever you cross paths with someone, you should always try to leave them a little better off than they were. And so whatever you give, it should be, it should be about them. So it could be give your time, advice, uh, it can be uh, connecting them with someone else. It can even be stuff. You know, it could be gifts. It could be when you pick up an interesting book that you read, you buy one for someone else. It could be sending them a text of something that you saw versus just posting on social media for everyone. It, it, it's telling people that you're thinking about them. Those are sort of acts of generosity. And for me, I would I would not really always be thinking about other people in that way. I would be more uh, sort of more self-aware and focused on the tasks that I need to do. And if connecting someone with that person wasn't paying off for me, I didn't see the value in it. Or finding that half hour for someone to come in to my office or for me to take a phone call and give someone advice, I would, you know, say that I was too busy. And, and that is sort of, that was really, really hard for me to change that mentality of, being habitually generous and giving giving something away um, because you don't know it's not a clear connection of where those um, that generosity pays off. You just have to put it into the universe and know that it does always pay off in some way, um, whether it pays off by you uh, feeling good about being a better person or it pays off by a business lead down the road. It does always pay off into something, and that was something i I had to really learn because. Uh, I wasn't connecting it to, you know, what could possibly happen in the future. I was looking at it as, well, my time's valuable and, you know, this person can find someone else to get advice from or another connection. Um, I don't have time for it. And so that that was something I really had to work hard at, really hard at. Yeah, I had a guest uh, on a previous show talk about this similar concept. And when you're trying to form these habits, he he had a, what I thought was kind of a neat tip. So based on what you just talked about, this idea of, of every time you have a meeting, you know, kind of have this in mind or have something you can give. And and he actually put them in his calendar. So when he had meetings with people scheduled, he'd actually look at his calendar ahead of time and say, okay, what could I give here? And then he would get it ahead of time. And I thought, you know, that is kind of, once you adopt that habit, you know, that is sort of a very practical sort of tactical way to live it. Yeah. And it really, um, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I have a, a thing in the book called The Million Dollar Hoodie, and this is sort of when it crystallized for me. I had met someone from Ben & Jerry's at a at a conference, and I was like, oh, this guy's – I really like this guy. I took his card. I sent him some mecha, hood, mechanism hoodies from my agency, and um, he wore that hoodie all the time. It was very soft, comfortable. He liked it, whatever. Um, it had our logo on it. Ten months later, they were looking for a new agency, and he just because he was wearing that, 
and someone had mentioned uh, about the hoodie. He was like, oh, yeah, I met this guy from this agency. He put us into the pitch. We won the business, and we've been working on it for six years. And that's when I thought, you know, if if a hoodie can generate a win, and I wasn't thinking about that at the time, habitually doing that, and, you know, whenever we go to any business meeting now, we're always bringing – you know, little gifts, whether it's a notebook or a hoodie or sending people books afterwards or a follow-up something, um, it really makes a difference because you're just being, you're being generous without expecting anything in return and it makes people um, feel good. And that's sort of when it dawned on me, I always think of the million dollar hoodie as like, as, you know, that's a great specific reason to give stuff away. Not that it always has to equate to money or business, but um, that's sort of my, my story about it. Yeah. I've, you know, I've people on, who listeners of my show know, I'd say this all the time. I think that the universe has a great scorekeeping mechanism and, you know, you, you don't give, if you, if you give without the thought of getting, you know, you probably at some point it's going to come back around. So, so the fourth principle and, and we're about out of time, but I just want to throw this out there. Empathy. Um, you know, I feel like, as a uh, as a country, at least in the United States, we're probably divided as divided right now as maybe we've ever been, <laughs> um, or been since you know the 1800s. Um, and empathy really is a lot about understanding somebody else's point of view. Um, how, again, you may or may not agree with me on this uh, point of of it feels like we're very divided politically, socially. Um, so how do, how can hem- empathy? in some ways heal that divide. Yeah, I, I think you're uh, totally agree with you. I think we've never been more divided, more partisan as a country either. Um, there was a study that came out uh, recently that in the 1960s, there was 5% of um, families, like people that had sons or daughters, 5% would be upset if they married someone from a different political party. And then in 2016, the number was 65%. So it just shows you in that short time frame how how divided we've become uh, from a from a political viewpoint standpoint, how partisan we are. And so, to me, empathy um, is really all about uh, developing a, a natural curiosity for others and listening and learning more and seeking out collaborations, trying to join forces with people from diverse backgrounds and, and different areas of expertise. And it, it's shifting the mindset of um, seeing people as more similar than different. And I always, I always have this in the front of my head, which is that humans are 99.9% the same DNA. We're made up of the same DNA. There's 0.1% that makes us all different. And if you start with that framework, whenever you're going into a conversation or a meeting or whatever, we all want the same things. We, we might have different viewpoints that are strong and we may, might not agree on, on all the points, but from the basis of where we're starting from, we are all after the same thing and we are all that similar that you just have to sort of try to develop that mind frame of, wow, we're all the same. Let's dive into those things that those few key things that are different from us versus, oh man, we're all so different. It's impossible for us to get along. I mean, that's just a mental shift that I always like to practice. Well, and if, if you do in fact have all the answers, you know, where's your room to grow, right? All right. So the last chapter, 
um, I'll I'll let you leave us on. It's my favorite. I mean, I'll let you just describe what you mean by it, uh, that we have to become our own personal Jesus. So for me, personal Jesus is really all about this idea of where, to me, where where soulful really resonates is when you marry skill with purpose. And skill is really about, um, you know, all of us are only going to have two or three things that we're really, really skilled at and really knowledgeable at. And we should always make sure that we hone those. Um, And then every few years, we should be trying to develop new skills and learning and growing. Not that they're going to become, we're going to master them, but it just keeps us um, fresh. And when you match the two or three things you're really skilled at and you're living this skillfully and you match that with purpose, that's where you hit inspiration. And inspiration is really about mirroring things that you are good at with things that you can give back. And um, if you look at, if you have sort of two lists and you write down on one side the two or three things you're really skilled at, like in your case, it could be, uh, you know, marketing for small business, podcasts, whatever it might be. And then you mirror things that you care about in the world that could be improved. I don't know what those would be for you. But if you have a list of like those three skillful things and those three uh, sort of purpose-oriented things, and you look at those two lists long enough, you're going to come up with an idea of how to blend your skills with purpose to be inspirational to other people. And I think really, if we're all just about money and business and success, then we've sort of lost the big picture. And that to me is a, is a critical element of being so. Speaking with Jason Harris, uh, the author of The Soulful Art of Persuasion. So Jason, where can people find out more about you and the book? Uh, you can check out thesoulfulart.com that has every place you can buy it, has a little bit more about me and uh, have some sample uh, reading materials on there that people can check out if they're interested. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, did I mention I wear an extra large hoodie? Um, I don't think I mentioned uh, that. You did now. and you're, uh, <laughs> It's in the mail. Awesome. Well, uh, Jason, uh, hopefully we can catch up with you next time I'm in New York. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you, John.